The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here, coming to you on a Tuesday morning, taping this one at 10:25, and I'm telling you the exact time, just in case a trade goes down between the time that this podcast is recorded and the time that it is posted. We're going to have Andrew Greif of the LA Times on today's podcast. He's been on twice before, so we'll make it three times today. We're going to chat about yesterday's win over the San Antonio Spurs, talk about the game a little bit more in depth, possibly what's going on with Zoo and Harrell, whether Harrell's going to get traded, whether the Clippers are going to make a deal. Apparently, there are some rumors that the Clippers want to get rid of that first-round pick that they have this year because, frankly, after this first-round pick, they don't have one for a long time because of that trade with Oklahoma City. So we'll talk to Andrew about what trades the Clippers might make and talk to him about how the team is doing in general. We appreciate you joining us. This podcast, don't forget, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. And of course, this podcast, you know what this podcast is, right? It's all about the Clippers. Well, what if you want to bet on the Clippers? What if you thought yesterday's line of nine or nine and a half was a little bit too high? The Clippers coming off a big win against the Timberwolves. Eh, maybe they don't blow them out. Let, let's take those nine points. Hey, where can I bet, though? I know a place you can bet. How about mybookie.ag? Incredible site. You can use the promo code TODAY. That's the word TODAY. And mybookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. You heard me. A 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Head there now. That's mybookie.ag. The promo code is the word TODAY. You can bet on basketball. You can bet on baseball once that season starts up. Hell, I bet you they have the XFL. That's about to start up this weekend. Of course, there's golf, there's Premier League. Apparently, there might be blackjack and poker as well. So go ahead, go to mybookie.ag. Tell them we sent you. And you know what? You know what you're going to do. You might get a couple of dollars out of it. So go ahead, mybookie.ag, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, the Clippers. A good win last night. A really good win last night. And frankly, one that uh, I think they needed. I was concerned early on. With the way the team was playing, they weren't defending great at times. They allowed Patty Mills to get open a few too many times. Frankly, they got lucky at the end of the game when Patty Mills was wide open for a three that he happened to miss. Uh, PG was really good when he needed to be. At the end of that game, PG and Kawhi took over, and you can see why the Clippers are so good with those two on the floor. I mean, they were really impressive. Kawhi had 22 points, six rebounds, seven assists, was efficient, eight of 17, only played 32 minutes, so it's not like he played a ton of minutes. PG played 31, and he had 19-12 with eight assists. Trez, a seven of 11 in about 25 minutes, 14 points. This is actually an interesting game because Trez played 25 and Zoo played 23, and Zoo played really good defense on LaMarcus Aldridge. And it was interesting because at the end of the game, you're wondering why Zoo wasn't in when he was the one that was slowing down LaMarcus Aldridge. And I think LaMarcus had something around 11 points or something in the fourth quarter, and they still weren't bringing in Zoo. They were going with Trez because of the offense. Now, what's interesting about that is uh, you've heard my rant about Zoo and how he doesn't get enough playing time. He's very good defensively, and especially when you have Kawhi and PG on the floor together, you don't need the offense as much in Trez. But what was interesting 
is that now there might be some rumors about the Clippers wanting to bring somebody in to get some rebounding late. So I don't know if A, they trust Zoo, or B, they trust Trez. I think they want somebody that has that offense and defense. Trez obviously is great offensively. Zoo's good offensively, not great, and he's pretty good defensively. So I'm curious to see what they do. Tristan Thompson apparently is a name that they might uh, consider. It will be interesting. Also of note in yesterday's game, Landry Shamit played some of the last minute or two in place of Lou Williams. So that's something we discussed before the season started. When you have all that offense, maybe you want to bring in more defense. And instead of bringing in Zoo over Harrell, they brought in Shamit over Lou Williams. So we'll talk to Andrew Greif about that and see what he thinks. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Andrew Greif. You read him on the LA Times website. You read him in the print edition of the LA Times. He is the Clippers beat writer. He's joining us for the third time on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Andrew Greif. Andrew, how are you? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Any news? Any updates? Are the Clippers trading anybody? Is Montrez Harrell still on the Los Angeles Clippers? <laughs> he is. He is. It is. Uh, it is Tuesday morning. He is still on the Clippers. Um, this this front office is famous for working very stealthily, um, and this is no no difference. This trade deadline, uh, I mean, it's almost 365 days. Uh, exactly since they, you know, kind of shocked everyone, traded Tobias Harris in the dead of the night, only a couple hours after he hit a game-winning shot. Um, my sense is that they are very active, lots of conversations happening, uh, but it hasn't really amounted to much yet. Um, this is a deadline league. You hear that all the time, but uh, I think that really does apply to the Clippers because I'm not sure they need a game-changing move. Uh, I think they're looking to upgrade in some areas, but um, they really like their team as currently constituted, uh, but I think it's going to take up until that noon Pacific deadline Thursday, really, uh, before they decide to pull the trigger. There are a lot of names being floated around. I mean, you could look at the bigs like Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. You can see the wings like uh, Robert Covington. The one thing that's interesting is apparently uh, the Clippers, they have that first round pick this year, and I don't think they have one for a while after this year. So it seems like they're pretty Correct. motivated to get rid of that first-round pick in a deal. Now, the question is, for who? Because I think that they would hold on if it was for somebody like Iguodala. It just wouldn't make sense to me at all to give up a pick like that, even if it's going to be late in the first round, for a guy in Andre Iguodala that I don't think changes your team that much. I mean, sure, he's an upgrade over Harkless, but he also hasn't played basketball all year. So what type of player do you envision them going after? Because what's been interesting to see is, and you can just have to look at yesterday's game, where at the end of the game, it was mostly Harrell. Zoo did a great job against Aldridge. He showed that he's very good defensively, but Doc clearly doesn't trust him enough late in games to go to him, and they still tr stick with Harrell. So it seems like they want a big maybe that they trust that can do something on offense and defense, but that's hard to find. And then you see that Lou Williams got benched in the last minute or two for Landry Shamit. So it seems like they're more comfortable in the guard situation because they have someone they can go to offensively versus defensively, but maybe the bigs in the forward position is what's uh, an issue right now. What do you think? Yeah, I think that the the same kind of holes that we thought of in September um, as maybe areas of upgrade have pretty much held true. I think that the front court, the bigs, um, you know, their comfort with, with Zubat uh, versus Harrell, who is obviously extremely valuable. He's also six foot seven, and you know, last night you saw against Jakob Pertl, um, it was not a matchup that really favored Harrell very often. Um, so I think the adding size is something that is still a priority there. Um, you know, think about in in September, 
the Clippers were going to have or were working to have Joachim Noah in for a workout, but it just didn't it just didn't work out. Uh, I think Noah kind of had a little bit of a setback with his health, and so it just didn't happen. But that's been something they've they've thought about for a while. Of you know, is there a way to to upgrade the bigs? Um, I think that the playmaking point guard was something that has been talked about a lot ever since, well, pretty much ever since they traded Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think they're a little more comfortable there. Um, I think that if they, if you had to rank kind of their areas that they'd like to upgrade, it would probably, in my sense, it might be like third behind like a big and um, kind of a, a stretchy big who could almost like play like Harkless, maybe score a little easier, like a, a Marcus Morris type guy. Um, so I, I think that right now, because of the offense they run, um, and Doc has said this the last couple games, that he doesn't want the ball in one player's hands initiating the offense. So I, I think they probably believe they could get by without that quote-unquote true pure ball handler. Um, you know, Kawhi's obviously his passing has improved dramatically this season. Um, you know, Paul George has been a pretty decent facilitator. I think you're seeing the secondary ball handlers do a pretty decent job. So I, I do think that if they're looking for somewhere, it would probably have to be uh, what do we do with Mo Harkless's contract? Because it's you know expiring. It's about eleven million dollars. Uh, you have that first round pick. Um, those are both pretty good assets. And then you have some salary filler down the lineup. Um, they have they have some pieces. Uh, and I agree with you. I just don't know if uh, Iguodala is someone that, that maybe changes the dynamic of the team so much that it's worth going after him and parting with some assets. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, there's a lot to unpack from what you just said. Now, here's my biggest question from the people that you've talked to. Do you get a sense that Trez really is on the block? I mean, would it take an astronomical offer to pry him off their hands? Because the interesting thing with him is that it seems like Doc likes playing him late in games. He's instant offense off the bench. He seems like the chemistry with him on the floor and him in the locker room. I know there's been some stuff that's come out about how he gets upset at times and he may have some mood swings, but it seems like the guys really like him. Do you anticipate them dealing him? Cause it seems like if they do trade him, then it would take another month or two to incorporate everybody and get that chemistry that the Clippers have frankly been lacking and they need the time to get all these pieces together. They need the time to have Kawhi and PG and Lou and Trez on the floor together. And they're just starting to get that. And I kind of feel like they'd have to start from square one. Yeah, the short answer is I don't have a concrete feel for their willingness to trade Montrez Harrell. I think that early on um, this season, my sense was that, you know, this team is all in and uh, to win a title. And Trez is a big part of that. Yes, he has his weaknesses. Um, but like you said, it, it goes, it, his points, his energy, um, he kind of punches above his weight in terms of what he can do against bigger players. And along with Lou Williams and Pat Beverly, I mean, those three guys are kind of the heart of this team. And so I think it would be a little bit gutting um, to trade him. I think that um, you'd have to think the players would somewhat understand, you know, hey, he's going to be a free agent. Do we want to pay him? If, if, if that's the reason why, they would make a move. But I just think he's really valuable to the team in ways that um, go beyond his staff in, in a way. I think that some of his – um, some of his toughness rubs off. Um, yes, you know he's a guy who can be um, can swing from one way to the next, but that's him. I mean, this is a guy who's worked himself from a guy who was, you know, said to be nearly waived by the Clippers before he even got to his first training camp with the team into one of the most vital players on the team. So uh, he's going to he feels very strongly in his play and his confidence level, and so I think you're expecting someone who 
comes off the bench and is expecting to put up 20 and 10 every night. So I think that the contract thing is is definitely a question. I I don't have a great feel for, um, you know, do you try to seek value for him? Can you really upgrade? What kind of value can you get for him in this free agency market? You know, maybe it'll be a little depressed. Maybe you can resign him for a little cheaper than people expected five months ago. Um, I, I, it's going to be, that's a fascinating question. The Trez question is something that, um, until it's noon, until it's like 12.05 on Thursday, um, it's going to consume my thoughts. Yeah, you wonder, because you would think that the Clippers would already talk to Trez a little bit to try and get the amount that he would want, just so they have an idea. I, I, don't, I don't know what the legality of doing that is, but if he's going to command a ton of money, there's a certain line that you kind of have to deal with because on one side, you want to win the title now and Trez is an important part of doing that. On the other side, you don't want to lose him for nothing and not be able to get an asset in return. So if you can get a guy maybe like Robert Covington and Gorgie Jang, I don't know how difficult that's going to be, then you might want to pull the trigger if you're not going to pay Trez. That's going to be the interesting thing because here's the other question for you, Andrew. Does Doc trust Zoo? Because they spent all of this time and energy into sending people over to uh, work with him during the offseason. They got his hands better. He showed that he's good defensively. He's an important part of what they do in the first quarter and getting offensive rebounds and getting rebounds in general and getting buckets. Does Doc trust him? Well, I mean, I think you just have to look at the his, his patterns of how he plays and when he plays. Um, you know, what happens is Zoo starts comes back in the second quarter, uh, usually with Kawhi, uh, to close the first half, opens the second half usually for five or six minutes, gets to about 19 minutes a game, and then uh, typically it's Harrell who has finished the game, sometimes you know, 14 straight minutes or 17 straight minutes. That's not uncommon. We saw that a lot. And I think that um, Doc does really like what, what Zoo does, um, but I don't think that he trusts him in a way that is going to um, supersede the, the way he considers his substitution patterns in the fourth quarter. You know, I think he just, he really trusts uh, Trez's consistency. And I thought to say Zoo isn't, but Trez is just, um, has, has shown, he's been with Doc longer. And I think he's earned Doc's trust in terms of, um, you know, being able to punch above his weight again with bigger players, uh, scoring. So I think there's a little more trust with him and what he's going to bring. And Doc really, everything I, every time I talk to Doc, he, he talks about how good Zoo is and how valuable he is. Uh, even last night, Kawhi and PG were talking about how, you know, Zoo, his screens are just different than Trez because he's a bigger target. It makes him a little easier sometimes to, um, to lose your defender on going around, whereas Trez is more valuable going to the hoop because um, a, a big will stick with him instead of um, tr- you know trying to trap the ball handler because they have to respect Trez's rolling ability. So it's it seems like Trez is that guy is that closer for better or worse. You know, Zoo has played well, pretty well at times this year, uh, and yet it still really hasn't budged. Um, the Clippers approach to playing in the fourth quarter with their with their center. So I think that yeah, Trez right now absolutely has all the trust from Doc. That's what makes me think that he's not going to get traded because if you have somebody that you trust late in the game, it seems like you'd really have to have something that blew you over and that you absolutely thought would make your team leaps and bounds better because if you're about to take out your starting or your center that finishes games, then you're going to, you got to trust what's coming in. And the interesting thing with Zoo is that 
you saw yesterday in that game that Aldridge couldn't be stopped when Trez was on the floor and that he was stopped when Zoo was on the floor. And so you thought the logical thing would be to bring in Zoo at the end of the game because you already have guys that can score in PG and Kawhi. I understand when PG and Kawhi are sitting, you need Trez's offense. But what we discussed in the offseason was who's going to close and are they going to have some defensive assets on the floor when they have Kawhi and PG already on the floor? Because they are the guys that are going to score offensively and you bring in guys like Lou, you have Trez. You only need probably three of those guys at most and you need the other guys to be defensive, which was smart, which is why it was smart that Trez stayed in while Lou went out and Shamit came in at the end of that game. So the real question is, does... Do, does offense or defense matter at the end of the game? Because we're seeing with the Clippers that it seems like for Doc, he's more afraid of his team scoring points at the end of the game, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that, you know, last night, um, I think we feel like we've asked Doc a couple different ways about, you know, the ways he chooses to use those bigs late in games. And uh, I think it just comes back to, to trust. You know, uh, Trez has been a producer, consistent producer for the last two seasons, especially. Um, and so right now, I think he's the guy. The doc knows what he's going to get from. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'll be curious to see what happens at this deadline because you would think the Clippers make a move. It really seems like they're going to do something. But with the case with the Clippers, you don't really know what they're going to do. I mean, two years ago, they traded Blake. Last year, they traded Tobias. It seems like whatever they do, people won't know what's about to happen. And so all these people that are spreading rumors, whether it's a guy like Woj who says something, and then it's a guy like Mark Stein that says something else. And it really seems like no one truly knows what this team is going to do. And uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being not likely and 10 being very likely, what do you consider the Clippers' chances of making a move that is not just for somebody random, let's say like a Jordan Clarkson, for example? That wouldn't be a big move. Where, where do you consider one to ten and it being a pretty decent sized move? I don't think it, I don't think a big move would be in the offing. I, I do think that they'll make some kind of move. Um, I, I don't. I think that you know something that was described to me recently was that you know it might not even you know, maybe it's someone who is uh, you know a guy who comes off the bench. Um, I, I don't, again, I don't, I think it's a sign if they do go down that route and maybe it's not what would be considered a, uh, a big time move. It's because it's a sign that they're very comfortable with the roster they have, you know, um, the, the, the Blake and Tobias moves were about getting the team in position to build around two superstars and they got those two superstars. And now every move they make afterward kind of has to be about incremental, um, improvement and almost like matchup based, you know, if we play this team, you know, what skill set we would need to survive a matchup such as this. So uh, I don't think that a big move is needed, frankly, uh, but they do have areas of improvement they need to figure out. And, uh, and so the nice thing for them is I know they trade away a lot of their future assets, obviously in the trade to Paul, to get to Paul George from Oklahoma city. But like we've talked about, they do have some stuff right now, um, whether it is Harold, whether it is uh, Mo Harkless's contract. Um, and he holds value just in his own skill set. Uh, whether it is the 2020 first-round draft pick, they have some avenues to make some moves. The cupboard is not completely barren. What are those assets? So you, we, those are the three assets probably that are the most um, tasty. I would say the tastiest for other teams would be that first-round pick, Harkless, and Trez. Those are probably the top three, you would assume. Um, where does Magruder rank on that list? Is that is that something where his contract makes sense for other teams? I think that he... 
yeah, I, I think those three that I listed are definitely the three most probably appetizing um, to follow the, the tasty analogy. I think they're the most appetizing assets that they have. Um, I think Magruder is someone that, uh, you know, holds value. He can, he can play pretty good defense at times. Um, but I don't think that, I think that in his case, he would, he, you know, specifically Magruder, maybe more like a salary filler if, if to get to a bigger number if you if you can't do it just with Harkless's deal. Um, but they like Magruder too, so I don't, I don't sense that they want to part with him. Here's a question that I, uh, I just thought of. If you are not going to be comfortable playing Zoo at the end of games and you like what he brings you in the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter and some of the third, but it's really Trez that you trust at the end of games, would it make more sense to try and trade Zoo? If you're not going to trust him at the end of the games, yeah, I brought this up recently to someone, and it's kind of it was kind of knocked down, you know, because they they do like Zoo, you know, and he's on a good contract. Um, they really like his upside, and they feel like um, he's going to be an even better player. I mean, yesterday Doc was talking about how he will be a three point shooter very soon. Um, he thinks that he can make, add that to his game pretty readily. I mean, it's part of his game right now. We see it during warm ups, but terms of adding it into a game setting he thinks that can that can be accomplished so you're looking at someone who they think skill set will expand um so i don't think that they necessarily want to part with him now these the clippers i mean these guys um they will upgrade their team doing whatever it takes so they're not sentimental in that way but uh i really do think they like zoo and feel like for the value they have on him uh, it makes sense to keep him Going backwards a little bit um, to the Lakers-Clippers game that was postponed, do we have any idea when that game is going to be rescheduled? Because I've seen some talk about it being in April, but if it goes with the April date that some are mentioning, I think it would cause a back-to-back for the uh, Lakers. Um, I had Justin Russo on last week, and he mentioned that the Wednesday before everyone comes back for the All-Star break, would make sense because the Clippers don't play until Saturday and the Lakers don't play until Friday and the game is on Sunday. So it still would give two more days after the game for everyone to get ready and play that Wednesday game where they have a day off. Do you have any idea when that game is going to be rescheduled? Um, I don't think that Wednesday would work. I think that uh, the sense was from someone I talked with was that it was uh, too soon. Like other teams wouldn't be coming back that quickly. So they felt it might be unfair. Uh, I don't think that uh, honestly, one proposal I had heard, and I don't know if this is even serious, but one idea I should say I heard was, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they almost play it the the day after the regular season ends. Um, you know, maybe you play it April sixteenth. Uh, I I don't. Well, actually, let me check myself. The Lakers might end on a back to back. That might not even be viable. Um, I I've heard that it might be very very difficult. It it seems kind of odd, right? Like, well. This is two teams in the same town. How hard can it be? There are some gaps in the schedule, but obviously they share the facility with the Kings. There are other events happening at Staples Center all the time. So it's not like there are just vacant days at the arena where they have to turn the lights on and host a basketball game. Um, that's a big thing. That you know, After the All-Star break, uh, I want to say maybe it was like a Thursday. Uh, maybe that was a chance I brought up, but you know, there's someone, I think the Kings are playing that night. So it's, I don't see an easy date. Um, I don't have any idea how close they are to finalizing that either. But um, I don't think it's as easy to make up the game as people probably expected when it was postponed. Yeah, and that's the reason why everyone everyone's freaking out the day, obviously, of Sunday, saying, why aren't these games canceled? It's very tough to try and get a game 
to be rescheduled. And the Clippers would have had to go back to Florida, which is really unfair to them because of how long that flight is. And it just would be out of the way. This is not like baseball where you can go ahead and schedule a doubleheader and things would be fine. I mean, this is completely different. And you bring up a good point. I mean, Everyone forgets that the Kings are also in that facility. So you can't really just say, you know what, let's have another game. Let's schedule it any time because you can't do that. And then also, I think it's quite unfair that if you do schedule it on a back-to-back, then you know that immediately Kawhi is not going to play in one of those games. So now you've actually hurt the Clippers in this scenario because if you schedule a back-to-back for the Clippers, you take out Kawhi for one of those games. And let's say that seeding comes down to maybe a half a game then look what happened. I mean, that game could be the difference. So this is really a tough situation that the NBA is in because this game may be pretty important for the Clippers. It may not be important for the Lakers, but for the Lakers, they play their guys in back-to-backs. The Clippers don't with Kawhi. And I don't know what the NBA is going to do. This really seems like a tough situation. The the idea for would would they play it um, after the regular season ends the only reason why that was brought up by someone was almost like a if the seating matters, right? If the, if, the, if the, would they would they make it up then? And if it didn't matter, then would they almost just say, you know what, we're just going to end up canceling that game? Um, I, again, that's not like a serious thing. I don't think the NBA is considering right now, but it was an idea that was brought up that kind of made a little bit of sense to me, just because the difficulty of getting the game on the schedule it appears. It's like, um, you know, would they almost have a uh, a contingency plan like well if it, if it truly would make a difference in seeding yes we will hold it but if not do you just kind of have an odd 81 game schedule i, I don't know um that seems logical andrew it really does i mean a because you have the whole 81 thing so it means the lakers will play 81 games um true. on the year that kobe passes away and to your point if the game doesn't matter then there's no reason to play it. And if the game does matter, the NBA takes so many damn days off during the playoffs that they could easily have the game. I think the season usually ends on a Wednesday. So let's say the season ends on a Wednesday. Let's say you play that game on Friday. Then the next game could either be Sunday or Monday. And if you decide to do Monday, because normally it's on Sunday, then you just happen to have one day off between games instead of having two games off between games. It's not as big of a deal and I think it would make sense to have that game be on a Friday. And the ratings for that game would be pretty big, you would assume, if you need to play that game. Because if it doesn't need to be played, then it doesn't need to be played. And so, obviously, it doesn't matter. But if it does need to play, be played, that means it matters. And the game is by itself on a Friday. I mean, that could be pretty good for the NBA. Yeah, it's a, the, the, I know obviously the playoffs usually start pretty promptly, you know, Saturday and Sunday. Right. So it's, there's not a lot of windows there. And I think that you'd probably get some pushback from the Clippers or the Lakers about, well, hey, you know, are you are you putting us in a compromised position with our, with our first-round playoff series mm-hmm. by making this play so soon before? Uh, I could see that argument being raised. Again, it just adds another layer to why it's not an easy thing to make up these names. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, talking about the Clippers' overall play, how do you think they're playing right now? Because they've won now two in a row with Kawhi and PG, and they're now 3-0, and I believe it is, when they have their team completely healthy. Um, and their record's pretty strong when Kawhi and PG are on the floor. How do you think they're playing? You know, last night, I didn't think they played all that well. Um, they kind of um, sleepwalked through the first half. Uh, defensive intensity was not 
was not great. They lost a lot of shooters on the three-point line, which is what they did against Sacramento uh, last week, last Thursday. Uh, they were better um, in the day game. It's he was like guarding the perimeter, but you saw some of those things where they just kind of lost guys. And, um, and Kawhi said they saw like the defensive intensity was, was not there. So I think you're still seeing these bouts of inconsistency, this up and down that I think the teams that have played together more would probably have worked through by this point. Um, but I think that in some, Doc mentioned this, he alluded to this in his pregame availability with reporters that in terms of continuity, there's a lot of times when it kind of, as he, in his words, kind of freaks them out, you know, because they haven't had much continuity. And then he thinks to himself, well, we have 30 games to go, uh, roughly. And as long as we kind of get our time in then, uh, I think we're going to be okay. And, and I think to his point, you almost have to look at last year for why he would feel that way. Remember last year, the whole team got upended um, at, the, at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and they were okay. You know, they made it out okay. The, those last, uh, last month and a half, or two months, I should say, was really important for them. And they ended up the playoffs on a roll. So I think that he's almost like, you know, obviously you would want as a coach to feel more settled with your lineup at this point. And yet... Um, as long as you're rolling by mid-April, I think that he's going to be okay with that. So I don't think they're playing up to their potential right now. Doc certainly doesn't think that way either. Um, they have a lot of questions left to go. But um, I think that the only thing that really matters with this team is how they look when PG and Kawhi play together, assuming they will both be healthy in the playoffs. And um, there are some moments, like in that third quarter last night, when you got a sense that, okay, they actually want this game. They want to win this game. And they pretty much took the game by the horns and won it. And so I think that's an encouraging thing that uh, although you don't want to be a, a flip switch team, um, this team, you know, they can do it. Yeah, we've seen them play down to their opponent time and time and t- time and time and time again this season. I mean, it just seems like whether it's Atlanta or it's a team like Sacramento, they, they really do play down to their opponents. And when they play against good teams, that's when their best comes out. And I think the most important thing is, Andrew, is that you need Kawhi and PG to be on the floor because if they're not on the floor and you're trying to incorporate them in and out through the next three months, then you're going to be in some, you're going to be in bad shape. I mean, you need to have them on the floor. You need to get that continuity, like you said, and it doesn't really matter as much the pieces around them. You need to make sure those two guys are on the floor. And if those two are healthy, and then you put them with guys that can shoot like Shamit. Pat Beverly's making a ton of corner threes recently. And, and you add them with the other guys on the floor like Lou and Trez and Zoo. It really feels like they're going to be fine. But the key, and as obvious as this is to say, it really does seem like it's the health of PG and Kawhi and those guys being on the floor. And the last two games, I think, have been reminders that even when they are at full strength, it's a really, you know, health is a fragile thing with this team. You can't just assume that everyone's going to be healthy in mid-April. Um, you know, Paul George got poked in the eye by Robert Covington on Saturday, came back, played great, had some huge moments that helped them win that game going away. Um, then obviously last night, uh, you know, hitting the nose violently by DeMar DeRozan um, inadvertently, but he goes out and everyone thought it was broken. He thought it was probably broken. Um, Lou Williams thought it was broken based on how much blood was coming out. That's <laughs> what he said. He called Paul George a tough cat. And you just have to realize that you can't take this team's health for granted that, oh, you know, by April, it'll be fine. You know, Kawhi has definitely gotten healthier. He has said he feels much better than he did in October. Um, but the rest of the team is, is I mean, you just, you, even with Kawhi, you just can't make that assumption that they're all going to be fine and, and every piece is going to be 
firing at the same time in mid-April. And that's the scary thing, I think, is that uh, even, again, when they are at this full strength and people kind of take a sigh of relief of, okay, the game against um, against Antonio is their third fully healthy game this year, you get a knock. You know, Paul George gets elbowed. Weird things can happen. And, uh, you know, when they aren't fully healthy, you definitely see the cracks of the armor. So uh, it's, it's a weird team. I mean, every team deals with health, and this team is deep enough right now who knows what happens the deadline to absorb some of that. But uh, I, st- I still think we can't quite just go on assuming this team is going to be fully healthy by, by April. We just, you just, weird stuff happens. Yeah, it's a good point. Cause everyone's like, Oh, they'll be fine. I mean, have Kawhi sit out as long as he needs, sit down those back to backs, have PG sit until that hamstring's healthy. And then you think, well, all it takes is one more ankle tweak or one more hamstring tweak. And, one of those guys is right back on the sidelines, and sure, you keep saying they're going to be there, that they'll be fine once April comes, but you don't know if they're going to be healthy once April comes, and that's the reason why you're seeing guys like Tresby floated in trade rumors, because you need to have that backup plan just in case it is only one of them healthy. That's the problem, and it really it's going to be interesting to see what the Clippers do over these next couple days. What does your schedule look like the next couple days? Because I imagine it's going to be pretty crazy where you have probably Woj's alerts are sent straight to your phone. I'd imagine that your life isn't really the same these next couple days as it usually is. Yeah, it's it's it feels like, you know, the start of free agency in terms of you're just, you're just always on and you're always, um, you know, trying to talk to people as many people as you can and stay plugged in. And um, so it's that's kind of the way it is. You're just tethered to your phone. But... Uh, obviously we went through this in free agency and, um, it's, it's kind of a, a hyper alert time of the year and it's kind of fun in that way. You know, it's like, it's stressful, but, um, this team is really fascinating and they operate in the dark so much that it really does keep you on your toes. And where can everybody follow your stuff, your Twitter and where's, uh, where can everyone find, find your reading as well or your writing? Yeah. That, I would say, uh, obviously subscribe to the LA times. That'd be the best way, but LATimes.com slash sports, and my Twitter handle is at Andrew Greif, G-R-E-I-F. Andrew, appreciate your time and enjoy the trade deadline. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew, a little glimpse into the trade deadline, what the Clippers may or may not do, and a little general talk about the team as well. What is coming up for the Los Angeles Clippers? Wednesday at home against Miami. That is tomorrow. That game is at night, 7 o'clock, by the way. If you are going to that game, That game is no longer at 7.30. It's at 7 o'clock on ESPN. So that's something to keep um, in the back of your head if you're going to that game. Saturday at Minnesota, Sunday at Cleveland. I expect Kawhi to sit in one of those two games, most likely that game on Sunday at Cleveland. It gives him an extra day before that Tuesday game at Philadelphia. It's a four-game road trip, Minnesota, Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Boston. As of now, we are scheduled to have Jovan Buha of The Athletic on Saturday morning to record a podcast, we'll break down the trade deadline. What trades did the Clippers make? What trades did the Clippers not make? And what does the team look like going forward? You can always follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. That's B as in Brandon, D as in David, Marcus. At Clips is the Twitter handle as well. Big thank you to everybody that listens. Go ahead. And if you have three seconds, five seconds, ten seconds, Go and give us a five-star rating and leave a review as well. It does help the podcast a lot. Big thank you to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you on Saturday if all things go well with Yovan in Minnesota. I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. Have a great rest of your week, 
and go Clips! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.